you're listening to One Person's Trash is Our Treasure. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your other host, Jen. Hi, Ray. Hi, Jen. How are you? Good. We've spent the whole day together. We have. We've been having a great Thursday doing yeah. doing things like eating sushi and buying makeup and getting Starbucks. <laughs> Rachel, it's our 10th episode. Oh, my God. That's a milestone. It is. You know, we should celebrate this by recording a very special episode today. We really should. It should be deliberately done. Yeah. For the 10th episode, specifically. Something 10-themed. Hmm. I can't think of anything. I've got it. What? Let's talk about the 10th kingdom. Oh, my God. (laughs) Edit that. (laughs) (laughs) If you're unfamiliar with the 10th kingdom, it's a miniseries that aired on NBC in 2000, and it's great. Yes. Um, I watched it as a kid. And when Rachel and I became friends, I introduced it to her. We were very young, and it has been a favorite of both of ours for a really long time. Yeah, and thankfully, even though it's almost 18 years old, (laughs) held up pretty good, actually. Yeah. It's not flawless. No. But it definitely held up better than either of us anticipated. Yeah, I was nervous. So if you're looking to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Optiat, that's O-P-T-I-O-T, and on Instagram at OptiatPod. Or you can check out our website, one person's trash is our treasure.com. <laughs> let's just get on with it. All right, let's go. Hope you enjoy episode 10. See you at the end. So for some background on our experience with 10th Kingdom, Jen first actually showed it to me. When we were 11. Actually, you were 12. I was 11. Yeah. We had, like, just become friends. (laughs) You said to me, this movie is really funny. There are these trolls that are really stupid, and they're really funny, (laughs) and there's a romance. And I was super intrigued. And we only got, like, an hour in. I think so, yeah. But I took it home, Mm -hmm. and I rewatched it, like, eight times (laughs) before giving it back to Jen. And it's a 10-hour miniseries. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I watched it. As a kid, when it aired on TV. So I was young. I don't even know. Eight. Yeah. 2000. Yeah. And I loved it. So we have both been so in love with this miniseries for so many years. Rachel has actually seen it more times than I have. Yeah. <laughs> I can almost quote it. Yeah. We, we, we rewatched it together, which is the first time I had watched it in many years. And she was like saying the dialogue along with it. <laughs> Actually, that I think that was the first time we've watched it together since... Since that first time. Since that time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. I didn't even think of it that way. That was a nice, like, friendiversary celebration. Yeah, and it is October. It is, exactly. When we're recording this. Yeah. Our friendiversary is October. Yeah. We don't know the exact date, because we, we were kids. <laughs> so, uh, Ten Kingdom was a miniseries that aired in 2000 on NBC, it won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Main Title Design. I did not know that. That's yeah. Fine. In my um, research about the show, I saw that it was really well received. It got awesome ratings. And yet, we never got our sequel. Mm-mm. And there was supposed to be one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the script itself, at the very end of the movie, sets itself up for a sequel. Mm-hmm. And then we never got it. Not in, like, a super annoying way. Like, it's not like a cliffhanger or anything. No, it's no. It's just like a life continues kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But definitely, like, showing that there's more story to be told. Yeah. So we just rewatched it. I was so happy <laughs> that it held up so well. Mm-hmm. I watched it when I was a kid, and, and stuff that you watch when you were a kid has extra affection. It's like a different, it's nostalgia, obviously. Um, and a lot of it doesn't hold up. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of stuff that you that you watch as a kid, yeah. Um, but Tenth Kingdom, like, I was so happy. Even like mm-hmm. when we finished the first episode, I was just so happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, <laughs> I mean, the special effects were the special effects of two thousand. But as we said multiple times while we were watching the episode, pretty much on par with what's on Once Upon a Time right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're the type of person who can watch something and not get super turned off by the special effects because they're not great but the makeup of like the trolls and everything that looks great Mm -hmm. 
you know, so it's not like the entire show just looks like a trash can. Yeah, it is a beautiful looking show. At least scenes where they uh, are outside in a forest are either actually take place outside in a forest or the soundstage doesn't look like crap. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you once upon a time. Yup. <laughs> and there aren't terrible CGI backgrounds yep. all over the place. Like once in a while you'll see like a castle or something. But sure, like, but they only had so much budget. Yeah. <laughs> So overall, as visually, the show holds up enough to not really be a problem for me or yeah, Jen. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a, it's an older thing, you know? Like, yeah. I, and neither of us are the type of people who is really bothered mm-hmm. that much, especially, like, taking into account things that are older. Yeah. Let's describe what it's about so we can go into spoiler warning. Sure. So in the Tenth Kingdom, the main character is this girl how old is she? Did we figure out? I vaguely recall in the novelization of the miniseries, it mentions that she's 21. I would not quote me on that. I do not know if that is true. I know she is early 20s. Sure. Her name is Virginia. So she lives with her dad in this apartment building. He's the maintenance guy. We know they're not well off. They're only living in that apartment because Tony works there. Yeah. So Tony's boss hates him. They're not doing great, but she's not like unhappy. Which mm-hmm. I think is interesting, because in a lot of fairy tales, the main heroine is like, oh, take me away. Mm-hmm. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. Or they're suffering terrible, abusive conditions like Cinderella. Yep. But Virginia is, for the most part, content. The thing that I think is her biggest thing that she wishes were different is you find out that her mother left her and her dad 14 years previously. So that's like a big thing for her. Mm-hmm. Is it exactly 14 years? I just rewatched the beginning. Okay, she said because she was seven when it happened. So she is indeed 21. Okay, how about that? So the beginning narrative kind of jumps between Virginia's story and this fairy tale world where there is a troll king who breaks into a prison with these invisible shoes to break out his children who mm-hmm. are imprisoned there. There's also a prince who's journeying to the prison, and you find out it's because his stepmother, who is imprisoned there as well, uh, is requesting parole. It's kind of a ceremony thing. They have to go and deny it. Well, that's not how it happens. (laughs) (laughs) So as the troll king is trying to break his children out, he uh, is summoned by the queen from her cell, and she offers him power in return for letting her loose. And the queen has a pet dog that she was allowed to keep in her cell. And uh, somehow she has enchanted this dog so that when the prince shows up, the queen, like, releases the dog. And the dog kind of, like, jumps on the prince and they switch bodies. Not ferociously. It's an adorable dog. It's a very good boy. Yes. So um, the prince, Prince Wendell, now in dog form, he (laughs) uh, runs off. You know, and he ends up in the cellars of the prison where he knocks a mirror off a shelf or something. Mm -hmm. And it kind of opens up a portal within the mirror to Manhattan, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which he jumps through because he's being pursued by trolls. Mm -hmm. And he uh, actually jumps right in front of Virginia, who is on her bike on her way to work. Yeah. She ends up kind of taking him with her because she's like, oh, no, I hit a dog. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's like, fine. Yeah, he's fine, (laughs) but she hit a dog. Of course you take it with you. (laughs) And then the trolls are also in New York City. Mm -hmm. So, not fever, not fever. Uh, Also, the queen does not trust these trolls because they're very stupid. Yeah. So she enlists the help. They're so delightful, though. (laughs) They are. She enlists the help of another prisoner known only as Wolf. He doesn't have a name. His name is Wolf. (laughs) And he says to her, I'm part wolf. I don't really know what that means. Jen and I have never really figured out what that means. We don't know if he's a werewolf. We don't know if his dad was a wolf and his mom was a person. We don't know. Jesus. (laughs) So she says to Wolf, you have to be mine to summon and control whenever I want Mm -hmm. if I let you free. Yeah. Find the dog. Find Prince Wendell. Yes. So he does. He, He agrees. And um, he gets loose and he ends up in New York City as well. Mm-hmm. So through a series of misfortunes and shenanigans, Tony and Virginia and Prince in dog form end up back in the Nine Kingdoms, which is the name of the fairy tale land. 
Yes. The trolls dub our world the Tenth Kingdom. And some important information. Wolf, as soon as he sees Virginia, falls, falls madly in love with her. Falls in love with her. <laughs> and uh, he kind of switches sides. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At that point, he doesn't even care about Prince Wendell. He literally just wants Virginia. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the miniseries is just Tony and Virginia trying to find a way to get home because the mirror that they come through in the first place, they're actually not able to go back through right away. Mm-hmm. Tony is her father. Have we said that yet? Okay. Well, when you hear us mention Tony, that's Virginia's dad. So yeah, that's kind of the basis. Mm-hmm. Go watch it if you have access to it. I mean, it's it's bullshit that it's not like available anywhere, but it used to be on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, so we we try to have a topic yes. for some of for most of our episodes. And today we really wanted to focus on the world building of this miniseries. Yes, because we knew we wanted to do an episode of 10th Kingdom from before we started the podcast, mm-hmm. um, officially, but we weren't sure what we wanted to talk about specifically. So while we were watching it, we didn't have an idea, but we kept saying like, man, I'm like, I'm really surprised at how huge the world feels. Yeah. We are going to go into spoilers, so I want to th- put the spoiler warning here so that we don't forget. Uh, Let's start with, like, the basic history of the world. Yes. My favorite (laughs) part of the world building. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, it's this land that is split up into nine kingdoms. And that alone is fascinating to me. Like, Mm -hmm. how did they divide territory? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was that like? And probably the biggest part of the world's history is the fact that there were these great women in history. Mm-hmm. Said history twist. <laughs> <laughs> there were five great women who changed history. Yes. They were Snow White, Cinderella, Queen Riding Hood, Gretel the Great, and the Lady Rapunzel. And they formed the first five kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Everything about that is fascinating to me, but we we don't get like anything else about it. I know. Even Virginia goes five women. Yeah, for real. You know, like that's that's really cool. And I have problems with the way this miniseries treats its women of power in some in some ways. Not not with the queen, but at one point in the miniseries, Virginia comes across Snow White's grave. And as she's walking around the casket, there is a line of verse mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like around it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's reading it. And um, it's something to the effect of like, for seven men, she gave her life. For mm-hmm. one good prince, she was his wife. Yeah, and, yeah, you no, know, no, like no, the, yeah. the entire thing is, <laughs> the entire thing is about her as she related to men and her beauty, mm-hmm. which you know, considering that the series repeatedly calls her the greatest woman who ever lived. Yep. It's like, well, what did she do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the idea that there's this big history and these women in, in the center of it. But that, yeah, the fact that we don't get to know anything and then where we might have learned something about what one of them did, mm-hmm. that was what we got. Yeah. And, you know, it really bums me out because I would love to know what made Snow White the greatest woman who ever lived. Because I imagine she didn't just marry the prince and then sit on her ass for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she did some great shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, when Wolf describes for Virginia the history of the kingdoms, he says that these five women changed history. The women are the ones who are credited with forming the the first five kingdoms. Mm -hmm. It's not whoever they were married to, whatever royalty they were married to. Yeah. It's the women. And and we need to also consider Snow White, Snow White, Rapunzel, and Cinderella all did marry princes mm-hmm. in their fairy tales, but Red Riding Hood and Gretel didn't. Yeah. And uh, Red Riding Hood's kingdom is still, it, it appears to be ruled by a council of women. Yeah. It's <laughs> super interesting and interesting choices for those to be the five women, too. Mm-hmm. Like, Gretel, I totally understand. I understand Cinderella to an extent, and Snow White, of course. I'm I'm very curious about Rapunzel and Red Riding Hood, though. Yeah. Because, you know, I've read all these fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Their original versions, like, by the Grimm brothers and everything. And Red Riding Hood, she literally just disobeys her mother and gets her (laughs) grandmother eaten. And I know things now, many beautiful things. (laughs) Um... (laughs) 
I think it's really interesting that when Wolf, um, they come across a cottage in the woods that ends up being Snow White's cottage that she shared with the seven dwarves. And he says that the cottage has been lost for many years. Mm-hmm. The way he looks around and the way he talks about it, it's with reverence. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? When he talks about Snow White, there is respect and love there, the way that we would talk about, like, amazing historical figures in our world. He literally goes, this is a huge piece of our history. Yeah, yeah. You know? I love that line. That has yeah. so many implications. Yeah. The world building is not flawless. I have no. so many questions and not not the, in the fun way, like, ooh, I could build off of this. Like, <laughs> genuine questions, like, how does this society operate? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, the whole wolf thing. I will say that there are times when for a piece of media, a world is created, a fictional world is created, and you can just feel that if you had a question for the person about the world, the, the, the person who created it, they would know the answer. Firefly. <laughs> and I love worlds like that. I love worlds that feel like this world exists in somebody's head and it exists fully formed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of get that feeling from Tenth Kingdom. Obviously, obviously I kind of do too. Yeah, obviously it's not flawless. And I, I, I get the feeling more intensely from other pieces of media, but I do get it from Tenth Kingdom a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with what you say. Like, you know, I get it more intensely from other things, of course. Mm-hmm. But I, I do get that little bit of a sense here because of the history, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't throw in a line like what Wolf said about, you know, this is a great piece of our history yeah. without having in your head the idea that these fairy tales really were there. Like, this is important to them. This yeah. is great. And it's something that everyone looks up to. Wolf says, you know, happily ever after didn't last as long as we thought. Yeah. And it, it seems like this is a time period that people look back to with, like, hope like, and they they want it back, Yeah, obviously. wistfulness. Yeah. Nostalgia, I guess. That's a better word. Yeah. <laughs> but but hope, too. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. They, these women were credited with a time of peace. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was Which, peace. Which, actually, you know what? That totally makes fucking sense. Think about it. Mm-hmm. All of these women were being tormented by terrible witches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, or, like, wolves. Snow White's stepmother, for example, was Mm -hmm. a terrible queen who was evil and cruel. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know if she was a bad queen. I assume she was. Yeah. You don't try to kill seven-year-olds if you're a good person. So, you know, maybe the fact that these women just brought an era of peace by overcoming these evil witches and stuff. And then ruled well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. I I still would like to know more details about the history but but it's not like i mean it would be amazing if the like the the creators of 10th kingdom sat down and like wrote um um, a fake history book or whatever but like it would be one of the only textbooks that i would ever enjoy reading in my life but like i would i would i would devour it but that's Mm -hmm. never gonna happen no um so like it doesn't bother me it's just that i really wish that 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 we had more tidbits of information i guess i totally agree uh cinderella is actually in the miniseries which i think is awesome yeah. She's 200 years old. I love it so much. Like, <laughs> I have conflicted feelings about the way her character is introduced. It's yeah. these three mice who uh, <laughs> who are, like, you know, talking about the ball that's about to happen. Totally random and, like, <laughs> just, just kind of cute. But they're saying how, um, you know, Cinderella's going to show up and, oh, my God, she's 200 years old and she doesn't make many appearances anymore because she wants people to remember her as she was, mm-hmm. you know, so beautiful and everything. Yeah. Which, like, I have very conflicted feelings about because... I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I, I, I know. It's... Because I, I really love Cinderella's character. I think she's full of sass. Yeah, she is. And she's pretty much the only ruler who was skeptical of Wendell, who at the time was a dog. <laughs> like, he was literally a dog in Wendell's body. Mm-hmm. And he, she was the only ruler who was skeptical of him. Yeah. Not enough. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't look 200. I mean, not that uh, I don't know how they would do that, but. <laughs> <laughs> she would just be a corpse? A yeah. skeleton? <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I I don't know what I think that is. I have more to discuss with kind of the way the miniseries... Um, I can't tell if the miniseries is feminist or not. If it tries to be, it certainly does not do so flawlessly. 
No. But, for instance, how how we said that these five women in history are revered, they're thought of with love and respect. So, why is the council that is shown several times throughout the miniseries full of men? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the only women of power that we see in the show. Great character. Mm-hmm. Totally. But she's an evil queen who kills everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, we see Cinderella, but we don't see her do much. And she isn't in it until the last episode. Of this 10-hour yeah. miniseries. <laughs> She's in the, like, the last hour. Yeah. When I when I realized that, I was like, ah, okay. I couldn't tell if it was, like, a commentary on, like, these five women were in power and they ruled peacefully. And now the kingdoms have kind of, like, gone downhill. And the only p- people of power that we see most prominently are Prince Wendell and his council full of men. Like the troll king, the troll king, <laughs> yeah, and and then the evil queen. But like again, she's evil, <laughs> and um, all all the other people with power that are most prominent in the show are men. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, or you know, or it could just be like an oversight because they expect men to be the people on the council. I mean, I'm more inclined to think it was an oversight. Yeah. I would love for it to be a commentary, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think some of my my ideas that I came up with for explaining things away is, like, giving it too much credit. <laughs> yeah. But I, lo- I love this miniseries, and I... They do a great job. They do. And and the, the queen is an amazing character. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, Virginia literally saves the Nine Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, Virginia's great, and I I love her, and I love that she's flawed, and Mm -hmm. I love that she can be stubborn, but I love that she has an attitude. I love that she misses her mom. Mm -hmm. I love that she has a super complex relationship with her dad. Their their relationship is so nuanced and actually really impressed me. Yeah, they, they, they love each other, but there's this awful thing that happened where her mother left, and she never really understood why and it messed her up and you know tony didn't really know what to do about it and and also tony is kind of a man child who needs someone to take care of him Mm -hmm. and virginia has always just kind of willfully played that role yeah because he's her dad and she probably is trying to keep their family together he and he's he's lovable and he loves her sure he's he's not like a pile of shit or anything no i mean he's not the father of the year no for sure he definitely has dependency issues when he and virginia get high off magic mushrooms in a swamp it's that (laughs) kind of show yeah and they're like having fever dreams or whatever tony's is of him being abandoned Mm -hmm. you know yeah so he definitely has abandonment issues and he need someone to take care of him. I just feel like their relationship is complex in a way that you don't necessarily see a lot of in more modern stuff, Mm-mm. like mainstream stuff, yeah. you know? It felt real and it didn't feel like it was being shoved down my throat, mm-hmm. but there was enough there that I was like, oh. And it sneaks you know? it sneaks up on you too when it they does. when they up they end up having like a a conversation and Virginia yells and cries and he is sad and he's sorry and he doesn't know what to do. And I feel like their relationship builds throughout the series with Mm -hmm. their fuck ups. And as you learn more about them and the type of relationship they have and the history of their family. So when you get to that point, like I couldn't stop fucking crying. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) So speaking of, do you want to talk about the queen next? Yes. Yes. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Diane Wiest, you brilliant, beautiful genius. You amazing, talented goddess. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She's amazing. She's so amazing. She plays the evil queen and she is so evil. She supplies a lot of the balance that makes this miniseries more than just kind of a goofy, lighthearted, absolutely, you it's, know, it's romp. silly. It's it's campy, very campy. It, but it knows it is. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I um, think that's a big part of why it works. You know, there are like dumb referential jokes, but she is all evil. They don't compromise with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it works. She is a genuine threat mm-hmm. throughout the entire series. She murders people. <laughs> she is threatening. She's amazing. 
She is. There are scenes where she's interacting with the trolls Mm -hmm. and the troll king is pretty menacing, but his children are idiots Mm -hmm. and they're pretty much there for comic relief Mm -hmm. for most of it. And, um, you know, there are scenes where they're acting together and the trolls are still there being their ridiculous comic relief selves. And Diane Weist is never reduced to a quick joke. She is just intense. And it's great. It's not over dramatic. You know, there's a scene that gives me chills with her. Which one? Uh, the one where she's unwrapping all of her mirrors. Oh, fuck, and, yeah. And Snow White's evil queen from the grave is like, I am dead, but my work is unfinished. And <laughs> like, yeah. And she goes through this whole thing, unwrapping all of her mirrors, and it's like, intense. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, you like want her to win. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's just so damn cool. Yeah, she's you know? cool. And she's really smart as the show's going on. Her plans start to unravel, and mm-hmm. it seems like she's screwed, you know, like her plan to take over the world. Well, is- because, yeah, because I mean, this, the, the plan that she had was like a good one, mm-hmm. you know? She switches Wendell with a dog. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Prince Wendell is a dog mm-hmm. who she can manipulate and control. And mm-hmm. then he goes through with the coronation, and she gets to rule through him and take over. Mm-hmm. Good plan, mostly. Yeah. But, like, she didn't expect the wolf to turn on her. She didn't expect... The troll king to go sociopath and just start murdering everybody. She didn't expect Wendell to run away. And she didn't expect Virginia and Tony to show up. Yeah. So, when everything seems lost for her, she finds a way to flip it. And everything turns out better than it was before. Mm -hmm. And um, I just... I find that fascinating. I think, you know, she's always got a plan. She's always one step ahead. Yeah. And one of the things that I find the most interesting about her is that she's actually the uh, apprentice of Snow White's evil queen. Yeah, the, her, her, Snow White's evil stepmother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like, And they have a super interesting relationship. She actually has a scene with Dog Wendell, where the, the dog that is turned into Wendell, where mm-hmm. she's looking up at one of the queen's portraits, because she's in one of the queen's abandoned castles and she's telling wendell oh right 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 about how the queen was forced to dance in iron slippers heated over hot coals at snow white's wedding yes. and then she dragged herself to a nearby swamp where she continued her work until christine showed up and took con- her on as a and a, she took christine on as an apprentice and you know have has her finish her work Yeah, I just find that so interesting how, in that regard, happy ever after never happened. The evil queen wasn't defeated. She was still planning to kill Snow White and her ancestors. Mm -hmm. Another thing that is interesting that is mentioned and implied, but they don't really go into unless I just don't remember. Wendell refers to her as his stepmother. Wendell is Snow White's grandson. Mm -hmm. So when Snow White's stepmother takes on Christine as an apprentice. Christine then goes and marries Wendell's dad. First, she poisons Wendell's mother to kill her. Am I am I not remembering a scene where they explain this? Yeah, well, because Wendell explains, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing some logical, de- yeah, some yeah, logical yeah. deduction here because Wendell says, she poisoned my mother and father and tried to poison me. Right, right, right. So I'm if she married her his dad, then she must have poisoned the mother first. Yeah. You know? They don't spend a lot of time on it, but Mm-mm. but just knowing that that happened and, I mean, that is probably why she was in jail <laughs> and um, is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Snow White's son was killed mm-hmm. by the evil queen. Yeah. You know? She's all in, man. Yeah. Like, like happy ever after never happened. It's really interesting to me. Yeah. And then we move on to, obviously, if you've seen the series- you know that the evil queen is Virginia's mother. Who had run away when Virginia was seven. Mm-hmm. After trying to drown her in the bathtub. <laughs> Why would you say it creepily like that? Because <laughs> it's a creepy thing to do. It is creepy. <laughs> like, the series is super fun and interesting before that. But that adds a whole other fucking layer when that comes out. And you don't get a lot of information about Virginia's mother before you find this out either. Yeah. But what you do get is actually weirdly telling. Mm-hmm. First, you have Virginia's grandmother, as in the queen's mother. Mm-hmm. She lives in Manhattan in this 
very fancy apartment. Mm-hmm. She's very obviously, uh, I don't want to say a gold digger, but she's... She's probably a socialite in her Socialite's day. a good way, yeah, to put it. She's uh, very snooty, very prejudiced against the lower classes. She's got a poodle and one of those long cigarettes. Yeah, like <laughs> Cruella de Vil style. Yeah. Um, and she's always drunk, apparently. <laughs> and <laughs> she keeps going on and on to Virginia about how when Virginia's mother was, was 16, she could have had any bachelor in the whole of New York. Mm-hmm. And, and she settled for who? Dad. Dad. <laughs> As in Virginia's dad. Yeah. So from that bit of information, we are made to understand that Christine was also operating in high society. Mm -hmm. Just in, you know, modern day, our dimension. Yeah. She, I mean, Virginia's grandmother says that she had like a debut, like she threw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, Also, we learned that she was obsessed with her clothing. Mm-hmm. Virginia even once says to Wolf, I believe, you met my grandmother, right? My mom was like that. Mm-hmm. Which tells us a lot. Yeah. So here's my theory. Christine marries Tony, who was successful when he was younger. Mm-hmm. So maybe she thought he was moving up in the world. His business crashes. He ends up, you know, poor and working class. I think that Christine was a shallow, uh, sick person who was driven crazy by being reduced to a working class housewife and uh, not an excuse. Like, she's still a monster, but I think it drove her crazy. And that's why she ended up trying to kill her daughter and uh, escaped to the Nine Kingdoms, where the evil queen then said to her, you know, I'll give you position and status and power and... Mm -hmm. You yeah. just have to kill people. <laughs> yeah. That's a good segue into another thing I want to talk about. Sure. I agree, but I have a lot of cloudy feelings about Christine. I love the Evil Queen as a character. I think she's a great female villain with interesting motives and history. I hate when pieces of media demonize and villainize the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And I, so I started to worry a little bit that that was going to be kind of what this was Mm -hmm. and i can't decide what i think it ended up being because i could make an argument for and this is another one of the times when i'm going to give it give the story and the writers and too much credit potentially i could argue for it being a commentary on the way that we treat the mentally ill christine was obviously not well Mm -hmm. and you know, needed help. And it doesn't excuse what she did. She tried to drown her seven-year-old daughter in the bathtub. But she was obviously not okay. And she was influenced and manipulated by Snow White's stepmother at a time when she was not well and very vulnerable. And um, it just got worse and worse to the point where she doesn't remember who she was. The evil queen in, in the Nine Kingdoms doesn't remember who she was. She doesn't remember that she was Virginia's mother. I'm sure she's, like, blocked it out. And you could explain that different ways, but I don't know. Well, I think you've got a point. You don't need the context of the intentions of the author in order to make analyses. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just... There are gray areas between, like, author is dead and and stuff that, like, I don't fully subscribe to that. But, yeah, I I love Tenth Kingdom so much that I'm I'm willing to make excuses for it. Not that it's that bad. Even if if you wanted to look at it just that Christine was sick and did this horrible, horrible thing and became this horrible, horrible person, it's still not, like, awful the way they portray it. You know what no. I mean? It didn't bother me that much. It's just something I was thinking about because it's a big thing for me. I don't like schizophrenia is demonized a lot. It happens less now, but it used to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's not cool. That kind of thing. Yeah. Where like you you can't villainize mental illness. You can't do it. So so while we were watching, that was in my head and I was thinking about it and I was while things were unfolding. I, I agree with you that I, I can't stand when it's demonized. Yeah. I didn't necessarily see it being demonized here. I think... No, no. It's just that she does turn into the main villain and she's very, very evil. <laughs> it's not something that really bothered me. It was just that when watching it, I, I knew that the evil queen was 
Virginia's mom. And mm-hmm. so as I started to like remember things, it was just something that I was paying attention to because I didn't remember how it happened. And I was worried that watching it with older eyes, <laughs> I would see things that I was like unhappy with the way it was portrayed, which mm-hmm. didn't happen. I just think about it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think that the show succeeds in ultimately humanizing her before she dies. Absolutely. Like, she's not a good person, but you do feel bad for her because she, I mean, as she's dying, she she had had a moment previously where she started to remember her, her previous life as mm-hmm. Virginia's mother. And when given the chance to kill Virginia at the, at the end of it. everything, when she, when the queen believes she has won, mm-hmm. she says, I'm going to let you go. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Yeah. But I'm going to let you go. And she's, and it's like, Diane Weist is so amazing. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. She's so amazing. Because you mm-hmm. can tell on her face, like, she's scared and freaked out and she doesn't know what is happening. Mm-hmm. Like, she genuinely doesn't know who this girl is, but she can't kill her. This woman who has been merciless the entire series. Um, who, who threatened to kill uh, Wendell's, Prince Wendell's staff. She threatened to kill their children in front of them. Yeah. If if they told anyone about what she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. She, I mean, she's proven time and time again how ruthless she is. And then she's going to let Virginia go. Mm-hmm. You know? And ultimately, Virginia ends up having to kill her. Not, like, gruesomely. No. She stabs her with a poison comb. Yeah. And out of self-defense. I mean, Virginia yeah. didn't want to do it. She's devastated Mm -hmm. um but as christine is laying there dying she like remembers virginia as her daughter and it's heartbreaking Mm -hmm. so really messed up yeah jesus do you have another topic you want to talk about yes let's talk about wolves yeah so uh one of the main characters in the show as we've mentioned is uh wolf Mm -hmm. no other name (laughs) wolf Cute. So we've mentioned this before. His character is half wolf. Whatever that means. Never explained. Mm-mm. He has a tail. Mm-hmm. He looks human. He yes. looks perfectly human, but he has a tail. He has a ravenous desire to eat everything that breathes. Usually like raw meat. Including pretty girls. <laughs> but he's like so... <laughs> that actor is so good. You know, so many props... For committing to some of the lines yep. and things he has to do. He had some of the most ridiculous lines. Yeah. And also, like, just his movement. Like, he has this tick that he does where he, like, scratches his, his head and, yeah. oh, man. He's yep. so good. Yeah. And every, like, his his expression is huff puff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it never feels that weird for him to be no, saying. No, he, he really is committed, which, yeah. which makes it work, he you know? He pulls it off, dude. Mm-hmm. Scott Cohen, man. Wolf, from the very beginning, is dealing with some serious personal issues. <laughs> he- oh, that's another thing, though, that goes with my uh, mental illness thing, is, like, in the beginning, he's literally seen going to therapy. Yeah. And purchasing self-help books, which she- he actually reads. And learns from. Yeah. Like, he gets better. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> But, you know, he, he's really tormented in the beginning because he's like, oh, my parents were always telling me, eat this, eat that, eat her. And <laughs> so, like, we don't really get a lot of information about wolves in mm-hmm. this in this universe. We know that on full moons, they go full out werewolf and become, like, monsters who can't control themselves. So here's my theory. There are no actual wolves. Like the animal? Mm-hmm. They're all people. Interesting. That's the only thing that could possibly make sense to me because it's no it's not a surprise to anyone that wolf is a wolf. But there's there's so many I have so many questions about your theory too. Hold on, I mean hold like on. so okay. at the very end at the very end Wendell um gives gifts when he when everything is saved and Wendell is back in his body. He gives gifts to everybody who helps save the day including Wolf and Wolf's gift is that all of the wolves in the fourth kingdom were get issued. hearts, huh? <laughs> I was making oh, a Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah, it, it is very Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it is. Um, all of the wolves get a get a royal pardon, so mm-hmm. they can no longer be racially profiled or kept in jail <laughs> <laughs> for being wolves. Which made me think, like, oh, there probably aren't actual like animal wolves. They're probably all people. You know, why are they part wolf then? Maybe his like grandmother was a wolf. Or was a human? 
But if his grandmother was a wolf, then there or are no, wolves. No, his, no, I mean, <laughs> his grandmother was a human, and yeah, his, but so where his do- grandfather was a full wolf, but not like an animal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's like an ethnicity. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I don't think that they were making a commentary on racial profiling or anything. No, but it did end up being kind of that, especially with the royal pardon at the end. Yeah. And, and how everybody, I mean, everybody... Um, is super racist against wolves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, like, that would make the wording of I'm part wolf make more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's my theory. I, because it, we never see a wolf, do we? No, not an animal one. No. Well, yeah. well, we we also only ever see the the one other wolf, the kid. Yeah. But yeah, it's super interesting. It's the only thing that could make sense to me. Yeah. That like being a wolf is like just an ethnicity. Yeah. So let's talk about the romance of the Nine Kingdoms and how it's handled and talked about. Okay, interesting. So there is a line that I have always found so fascinating. Virginia is trying to tell Wolf about what happened to her parents and how they split up. And she's like, they just split up, okay? Doesn't that happen here? And he goes, no. In our world, you either live happily ever after or you die of horrible curses. Oh, shit. That's right. You say that. (laughs) So I find that fascinating. And, you know, I think that also kind of has something to do with the stepmothers and how they're treated in fairy tales. Because second marriages in this world where happily ever after is the goal are not a good thing Hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so i just find that interesting it's almost like you're being doomed to be evil if you're a stepmother or if you're a second wife also there's an entire town (laughs) called the kissing town it's this hilltop where snow white was brought after she was poisoned with the apple Mm -hmm. and the prince comes and uh wakes her up with a kiss and i just find it so fascinating how in this universe, this is revered as a super romantic story when uh, Snow White was seven and the prince was a random dude who had never met her before. Mm-hmm. And this is considered the most romantic place on earth. Like, literally, if you go to this town, you fall in love. So I just, I, I kind of have some interesting ideas about love in this universe. Yeah. Well, let's, okay. The kissing town and how it's like, if, if you go there, you fall in love. There are literally, like, little, like, little hearts that come across the screen and, like, surround the characters and stuff, which, as a kid, it was like, oh, interesting, fun. Mm -hmm. As an adult, it's alarming. As an adult, it's like, oh, she's being drugged. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) By magic, not, Wolf isn't drugging her. Well, yeah, but in, okay. (laughs) This is a little bit of a deep cut. In fan fiction... There is a trope. It's called sex pollen. <laughs> On archive of our own, there are like these tags of like some of them are like warnings or whatever. So if you browse archive of our own and you look at the tags, like you'll find out about some tropes. One of which is called sex pollen, and it is when it's like if one or more, or more person is magically influenced to love potion yeah i mean it's the trope is called sex pollen so it's not love pollen (laughs) i just want to point that out anyway a lot of people are understandably uncomfortable with it because it actually poses a lot of implied consent issues and that so like when we got to the kissing town i was like uh this doesn't seem right The whole time before Virginia and company get to the kissing town, Virginia is rebuffing Wolf's advances. And then they get to the kissing town. And that's when she starts to fall in love with him, obviously because of the kissing town. But then even after they leave. And I, would, I, would argue, like, I would argue that she does start to fall for him before the kissing town. All right. Well, <laughs> I, she, wish, I wish that there had been more obvious examples of it. Yeah. Because I don't like the idea that she fell in love with him because of the kissing town. Yeah. I am all for their relationship. I think it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I don't want that doubt there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally understand. Um, as a feminist, <laughs> I have problems with the kissing town. The devil on my shoulder <laughs> does not. Watching that 
section of the miniseries as a kid. You know, it was mm-hmm. so romantic and I loved that part. It was my favorite part. I know. So, <laughs> you know, there's still a part of me that's kind of like enchanted with the idea of this magical town where people fall in love. It is nice that like everybody's happy there. Everyone is so happy. <laughs> yeah, that that was always your favorite part. I liked it as a kid. It wasn't always my favorite part. Yeah, you liked the the farming town. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little Lamb Village. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was always my favorite part. Let's talk about mirrors. Yeah. So, obviously, in the original Snow White fairy tale, you have the evil queen who uh, takes off all her clothes every day and then goes to a man in a mirror and asks him for approval. <laughs> So, you know, mirrors are just significant to fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Nothing new there. But I really liked the way this movie miniseries handled mirrors. Mm -hmm. Mirrors aren't just magic dudes who tell you if you're pretty or not. Mm -hmm. They have all kinds of awesome purposes. You know, you can travel through dimensions. You can travel through your own dimension You can use them to hypnotize people. You can use them to spy on people. You can use them as like a cell phone. Yeah, as like a (laughs) as a FaceTime app. Yeah, Um, it's it's really interesting. My favorite character in the entire miniseries is the troll who's always the one holding the mirror up to the troll king. (laughs) Yeah. So I love how the mirrors aren't just inexplicably there either. Mm -hmm. We get a little bit of background about them when. We see Virginia and Tony go to the dwarf kingdom, and yeah. you find out that the dwarves are the ones who make all the fancy mirrors. Mm-hmm. And maybe these are throwaway lines too, but you know, you have one of the dwarves say something like, you know, oh, there's quicksilver and there's extremely quicksilver, or something like <laughs> that, where he's explaining how that's how you make magic mirrors. And that's super interesting to me. I love little details like that. I love world building. <laughs> That's why it's our topic. Yeah. No, I think it's really interesting. I don't, like, I didn't think about them the way you did until you mentioned it to me when we were um, watching it. And it is really interesting. I just, I've always kind of had a bit of a fascination with mirrors. Uh, It took me a really, really long ass time to understand how they worked. In real life? In real life. Oh. (laughs) Well, like, as a kid, you know, I, I didn't. I was like, how the fuck? (laughs) I didn't realize that mirrors are literally just a thin piece of glass with silver painted on them. I didn't know that. So I've always been really fascinated by mirrors. It wasn't until I read Phantom by Susan Kay, which is literally fan fiction about Phantom of the Opera that was published (laughs) into a novel and became famous. Because, you know, the Phantom of the Opera also has an obsession with mirrors. And um, I learned that mirrors are actually glass painted with silver used to be mercury your origin story is fascinating (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) i don't know so i mean maybe i've always just kind of been a little enchanted with mirrors and so i do think it's real i i do love the idea of magical items in general and i think Mm -hmm. it's super interesting that in this world there are these enchanted mirrors that are so powerful and they're made specifically and there are different kinds like you said and Mm -hmm. um yeah you know what else i really really love Hmm. so as i mentioned before and got very angry about snow white's evil stepmother is kind of beholden to the opinion of a man Mm -hmm. in her mirror so you know what i fucking love what uh that man in the mirror is still there christine the evil queen uses him Mm -hmm. you know But Snow White's stepmother also had a bunch of other badass mirrors that could do other cool things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it kind of almost makes it forgivable. I mean, the Tenth Kingdom did not write Snow White. Yeah. You know, so I'm not blaming them for that. But it also kind of, it's almost like them saying, like, she wasn't just a vain bitch who was obsessed with what this man in a mirror thought of her. Mm -hmm. You know, like, she had mirrors that did really cool shit. She was magical and power hungry and... Yeah, Yeah, so I don't know. That's just kind of cool to me. Neat. That was a good pick for our 10th episode. Totally intentional, right, Jen? totally did it on purpose. We totally knew going in that this would be our 10th episode. Yes. It wasn't a random choice made out of desperation for content. We didn't realize... That it was going to be our 10th episode after we recorded it. Yeah, no, nothing, no, nothing like that. No, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> our question this week is, 
What worlds do you find fascinating? Even if there are holes in them, even if they're not perfect, what worlds could you talk for hours about? You're not allowed to choose Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I totally understand. It's just that, like... Same, same, same. Just, but very obvious. Don't pick the low-hanging fruit. So, yeah, world building. We're big fans of it. We are. (laughs) Okay. Talk about our social media. Respond to our question. Yeah. With your answer on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Optiat and on Instagram at OptiatPod. Good. Yeah, good. <laughs> you can also find us on our website at onepersonstrashesourtreasure.com. We've got blog posts up. We've got like Pro- four. Probably. We've got like four <laughs> blogs. <laughs> Someone incentivize us to make more. Yeah. Happy NaNoWriMo. Yeah. By the way, you better be sticking to your daily goals. Yeah. We're uh, we're headed to a write-in right now, so. We are. I'm 2,000 words in. I'm. And it's day two, so I'm, I'm actually in a good place. I- I'm nothing. <laughs> Great, Jen. <laughs> if you're still listening. <laughs> Tweet us, tweet us just the word pineapple. No other context. Yes. No other words. Just the word pineapple. Secret code. All of those who tweet us just the word pineapple will get a shout out in the next episode. All right. I like that. I really wasn't sure where you were going with that. We cannot afford to give prizes. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Do you want to start or should I? You can start. I feel like I always do it. <laughs> Actually, no, I feel like I always make you do it, but I'm going to make you do it again. I think it's an apartment building. No, yeah, you're right. I was just thinking about the <laughs> elevator. <laughs> apartment buildings have elevators. My brain feels really wobbly. I'm doing this the way I did all of my English classes. I prepared nothing. You were the one who wanted to do to do the podcast. Like it was like a discussion where we would bring notes. Take it away, Jen. With? Whatever we're going to talk about. Oh. <laughs> what do I want to talk about? Do, 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 do. All right. Well, let's, let's, okay. <clears throat> what? <laughs> you just, you did a princess bride grandpa there. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> mean. What are you looking for? I have a clump of hair. Just leave it on the floor. Mine. Just, it it's probably it mine. Just leave it on the floor. I need to vacuum. <laughs> there are tags on fanfics now? Well, like on Archive of Our Own, oh. there are like tags. Did you just say Archive? Archive. <laughs> <laughs> <I did. laughs> uh, all those who tweet us pineapple will get a free print copy of my book. No, I'm just kidding. I can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. I just sang the spoiler warning song. You monster. <laughs> You just want to see me suffer. <laughs> like watching your face go go from like confusion to realization to anger just now. 